Welcome to Broadcasting Common Ground, the Deep Foundation Institute's podcast channel. In this series, Morgan's Mentors, Morgan Neesmith will be talking with industry representatives about career challenges, mentor, and mentee advice. All right, welcome to DFI's podcast channel, Broadcasting Common Ground. I am Morgan Neesmith. And it is time to move the needle with our podcast on mentorship and careers in the deep foundation and engineering world. Now, sometimes in the past, we've gotten to talk to engineers that I particularly admire. And sometimes we've gotten to talk to people uh, who are well regarded within the industry. And other times I've even gotten to talk to people that I've worked with and really enjoyed uh Today, we've actually hit the trifecta, and we get to talk to one of my favorite award-winning uh, geotechnical consultants, Lori Simpson. Uh, Lori is the Managing Principal and Executive Vice President at Langan Engineering, and her consulting career spans over 30 years. Uh, but most importantly for me, I have gotten to work with her on DFI's Board of Trustees, which she has been a member of since 2016, and as of this year, has joined the Board's Executive Committee. Uh, so first of all, Lori, congratulations, but thank you very much for taking the time to join us. Thanks, Morgan. It's my honor to be asked to be on this podcast. Uh, well, we appreciate it. Um, now, obviously, um, we're very familiar with each other, but for our audience, we always ask if you could tell them a little bit about your background, where you're from, where you went to school, and then your your career leading up to eventually be your senior leadership positions at both, both Treadwell and Rollo and now Langen. Sure. Um, so I grew up in Northern California, about 40 minutes south of San Francisco. And even though it was just a stone's throw away, I went away to college to Stanford University. So while I was an undergrad, I worked as a geotechnical intern at a consulting firm in Palo Alto. And then after getting my bachelor's degree, I went to UC Berkeley to get my master's in geotech. Um, upon graduation, I got married and followed my new husband to Albuquerque, New Mexico, where he was headed to the University of New Mexico to get his master's degree in geology. Yep, it's a true geo love story. We met when I was an intern and he was a staff geologist. Um, so after two years, we were in, returned to the Bay, and that's when I started at Treadwell and Rollo. So during my tenure there, I became a shareholder and eventually joined the board of directors. Um, after 20 years there, we were acquired by Langan and I've continued my career uh, there for the past more than 12 years. Um, so I'm on Langan's executive committee and I'm involved in the operational aspects of the firm as well as overseeing you know, um, technical projects. So for most of my time here, my technical practice is focused in the San Francisco Bay Area, which has you know, lots of liquefiable soils, soft compressible marine clays, expansive clay, fairly soft rock. So it's really fun to be a ge geotechnical engineer here. Uh, the West Coast has always been a little more, um, how should we say, forward thinking in the United States, at least the way we treated geotechnics. So uh, I, I imagine that has been an, an exciting place to be a geotechnical consultant. What I find interesting uh, coming into the industry about the same age uh, is that it sounds like from a relatively early standpoint, even as an undergraduate, you were getting exposed to the geotechnical business and that was something of an interest. And because of the differences in 
let's let's call it the late 1900s versus today um that was a bit of a different time in the construction uh industry and engineering even uh per, let's face it for women in construction and engineering so how did your interest in in this particular industry evolve were there people that were particularly influential on that um and if so how did those relationships start um yeah so you know i would say that you know early on there wasn't you know any formal uh you know mentoring or introduction to this field um and i just kind of saw by observation um you know what i what i was interested in and and who interested me and so like as an undergrad while i really enjoyed my civil engineering classes you know the deal was sealed in one of my um classes civil engineering classes um when dr ann kirmigian walked in she was my first and only female engineering professor and she is you know incredibly smart great teacher dynamic and a sharp dresser so just seeing her and how she commanded the classroom, I, you know, I saw someone I could relate to. Um, and so that really helped um, me feel comfortable in the civil engineering world. And then, you know, turning toward geotech, um, I would say it was a combination of the internship I got, which, you know, was just kind of by hap happenstance, I applied to a bunch of places and happened to get a job at a geotechnical uh, engineering firm, and then um, taking classes from uh, Dr. Ray, Raymond Seed. Um, so that that really got me interested in geotechnical engineering. So um, I followed uh, Ray Seed from Stanford, where he was teaching, to UC Berkeley when I went to get my master's degree, and he actually switched jobs and went over there too. So I was pretty fortunate to have classes with him at both universities. Um, so, you know, it was it was great to, you know, see his enthusiasm in the geotechnical field. And he really did um, influence me and it helped me make the decision to go to go on and get the master's degree and stay in geotech. Um, so after that, when I came to Treadwell and Rollo, um, I was really fortunate to have two great mentors, Frank Rollo and Richard Rogers. Um, both of them really took an active interest in, you know, my career development, Every, everybody else's too, the whole staff. Um, they were very generous with their time and they still are. I still reach out to them and get their input over things I'm puzzling over. Um, so I think it's just, yeah, always having somebody who's interested in you and interested in teaching you and supporting you, giving you advice. Um, that's always been um, how I've felt supported and, and, you know, been successful in this field. And that's interesting. The more I've had these conversations with people, a lot of the talks about mentorship have always uh, tended towards more of the personal rather than just, oh, this person was a technical mentor. The people that were really meaningful were always there for just general life as well as career advice. Um, one of the things that I kind of stumble on, uh, it seems like when I talk to younger engineers, uh, is a little bit of hesitancy as they're trying to uh, take their first job or looking at getting early into their career uh, about worrying about making maybe the wrong decision. They want to be sure they're getting into the right position that's going to maybe give them the best chance for success, but that leads to a little bit of indecision. And 
one of the things we've tried to do on the on the podcast is talk about times where someone took a chance and maybe you kind of knew what the immediate benefits were probably going to be, but it just sort of yielded um, unexpected opportunities or helped your career blossom in an unexpected way. Yeah. So when I moved to Albuquerque, I needed a job. Um, I had these, you know, fancy degrees and I was not able to find a job in geotechnical engineering. So um, the you know, kind of best job offer I got was with a hydrogeology firm, which was kind of the early days of environmental consulting. Um, so I took that job. So the immediate benefit was I had a job and a paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, it turned out to be, you know, to have a lot of um, relevance to my career. Uh, I was able to gain a lot of relevant experience. And it also... Um, just allowed me to um, learn, you know, that I could put myself in uncomfortable situations and figure it out. So here I am in New Mexico, um, never lived there before. Um, the projects that uh, this company had were all over the state. Sometimes you were, you know, driving for an hour or two on um, just farm roads, unpaved farm roads to get to the job site. The closest hotel was an hour away from the job site because the other closest hotel was, had six rooms and that was occupied by all the drillers. <laughs> so, um, you know, you just I just learned to navigate this, you know, this place on my own, you know, meeting up with the drillers and figuring out how to get the job done. Um, so, you know, it just while I was disappointed initially to not find, you know, the job that I would say I kind of thought I deserved, you know, <laughs> like, why can't I get a, you know, great job in geotechnical engineering? Um, but I, I got a job that really made me figure it out and learn a lot, learn a lot about myself, gain confidence um, and kind of, you know, get this sense of adventure that comes with, you know, this job. I think that's really interesting because you you end up touching on some other things that uh, I've got the chance to talk to people about how as a younger engineer you don't have to know everything it's okay you can figure it out and those opportunities to figure those things out um I've, I really enjoyed the way you just described sort of the life skills and the career skills beyond just being an engineer that 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 opportunity gave you um when we talk about companies and mentorship now, I think certainly there has been a shift on how companies view younger engineers. There is a little bit less of maybe the sink or swim, here's the field work, go do it mentality that you and I may have come into the, the industry with, um, where there's a little more formal training um, or I guess an expectation that uh, they're going to provide a little more guidance to younger engineers. So as someone who's been in a leadership role now at Langen for a while, what do you think that a younger person should realistically expect from a company in terms of their development and support? Yeah, I absolutely think that they should expect the company to provide training and mentoring um, formally and informally, and that as they grow their career, uh, the company should continue to provide them you know, opportunities to take on more challenges, to take on more responsibility, 
but to provide, you know, the support that goes with that. So the additional training, the additional mentoring. Um, I think that, you know, staff should expect to be able to, um, you know, talk with the, the technical leaders and, you know, just be able to walk into their office and, and ask them questions and pick their brain. Um, so I think there's, you know, comb a good combination of formal and informal mentoring that's really important that staff should be able, you know, expect to be able to have. Now I say walk into their office and, you know, I sure hope that staff are, are going to the office at least sometimes because, you know, there's nothing like just wandering into somebody's office, having a seat and having a really good talk about some good technical issue that's, you know, they're puzzling over. Uh, I agree. As someone who actually worked out of my house when I first started working for Burkle, uh, there are some things that happen face to face that are frankly, I think, irreplaceable or not really repeatable online. Um, I also liked that you uh, touched on sort of the phases of mentorship that uh, should happen throughout a career that it's not really just for young engineers, but it's something that needs to continue throughout a, a, an engineer's career. Uh, particularly with re regards to opportunities that they may have in the future. On the flip side, um, I've often said that um, if I invite people over for dinner, I'm going to set the table, make the food, serve it, but I'm not going to cut their food for them. Um, there have to be some expectations and some things that the younger engineers will bring to the table as well. So as a leader um, who, from at least from an outsider's perspective, is very generous, uh, both at Langen and in professional organizations with her time, uh, what would you expect that the younger engineer bring to the relationship in terms of getting the most out of that? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that. I definitely um, believe that staff need to invest in their own career growth, um, you know, investing their own time and energies into, you know, obvious things like licensure. Um, but also, you know, investing in their professional development by joining organizations and not just joining, like, for example, of course, I'm going to say DFI, um, but really participating, joining a committee, being an active member of a committee. You can see how much, um, you know, you can change, you know, change the industry for the better, or, you know, bring up new things that are happening in the industry that we need to be addressing by being on, on those, those committees and investing that. And you can learn a lot. I mean, I joined, um, the first DFI committee I was on was the codes and standards committee. And the thing I really love about it, and I know a lot of people think it's pretty crazy, like, why are you interested in codes and standards? That sounds like um, pretty dull. But I loved just the perspective of people from throughout the country. My practice is so local um, and really understanding what the standards of practice are throughout the country and making sure that, you know, codes and standards really allow for these regional differences. So, you know, the value people can get from investing in their own career just, um, you know, is, is enormous. And I think that just specifically to their to their job, um, you know, they really need to invest the time to to learn and get better at what they do, take the feedback they're getting and, and go back and, you know, redo that analysis or, you know, figure out 
how to take it to the next step. Um, asking questions, wandering into that senior person's office and taking, you know, the time to ask the questions. I think that, um, you know, sometimes people feel that, you know, someone like me is too busy or, you know, just wouldn't make the time for them. But, you know, that's what we're here for. So I think that these younger engineers really need to invest that time and energy into figuring out what they need to get better. And don't hesitate to ask questions. This is the thing that drives me crazy is you think you've told them everything they need to know and they go away and don't quite do it right. And you realize that they, you know, didn't ask the questions, they did, that they didn't really understand it and were afraid to ask the questions. So no one should be afraid to ask questions. This is a tough field we're in and no one knows everything and we don't expect you to know everything from the start. Um, so I think that's really important. And I think you hit on a great point about asking questions because at least I find that when I explain a process to someone uh, that they might want to go and try, I'm so used to that process that there are steps that I forget because it's just yeah. second nature too. So again, being comfortable with coming back and saying, uh, what was, how, how were we supposed to go from this step to this step? Um, I also love that you talked about the organizations and being involved in, in some of the industry organizations, it seems in some cases I see that viewed as extra sometimes by some engineers or younger engineers. And it's not lost on me in the last few years that I've seen the people who are, it seems like most successful within their companies and are, are doing some of the most interesting work in the field also happen to be really involved in either the geo institute or dfi so uh i do think it was it was great that you pointed that out um we have talked a little bit about um mentorship and and younger engineers and one of the other uh i guess issues that i see with some younger engineers uh is worrying that things aren't always going to go to plan. DFI's very first podcast centered on surviving challenges, things not going according to plan. We've stopped using the term failure because I don't think that's even what we're talking about, but mm -hmm. things that are unplanned or unexpected. So is there a time, I, I kind of, we've touched on uh, you and I about Treadwell and Rollo. Uh, you were an established engineer at their, uh, Treadwell and Rollo not just established engineer, but part of the leadership, um, as you said, an investor, uh, then you become part of Langen. And that's a very, very different situation. So could you talk about maybe that transition and how you navigated that and have, again, from an outsider's perspective, really thrived in, in that environment? Sure. I'm a person who really doesn't like change. Once I get <laughs> settled and, you know, comfortable, I, I just want to let it flow. Um, so while I was at Treadwell and Rollo, I was on the board of directors and there was a point in time where we were challenged to plan for the next leadership transition. I know this is something a lot of companies um, struggle with and we were at that point. Um, we had already transitioned Treadwell and Rollo, um, but it was the next you know, level of leadership that we were challenged to get a good plan in place. So, um, you know, I thought that we would continue the way we were, the way we, you know, invited new shareholders in, the way shareholders, you know, sold out their shares. I thought that was going to be a great program. I thought someday I was going to be president of Treadle and Rollo. 
So I for sure just thought that was going to be the gradual, you know, evolution of my career, but also the continuing of Treadle and Rollo. But because we hit this point of time um, that we, um, you know, were struggling to get past, uh, we did end up um, getting acquired by Langan. So this wasn't something I was really looking for. This wasn't something that I thought, um, you know, was going to be best for me or for the firm. But uh, it did happen. And here I am more than 12 years later, um, still with Langan. And actually, I have absolutely thrived. Um, I don't believe I'll be becoming president of Langan, but um, so my presidential aspirations uh, have actually switched to DFI, so I'm looking forward to that. But, um, you know, it just turned out to sort of like joining a, a DFI committee where it just opened up my world to be really the whole country and beyond um, and really learning about projects elsewhere and and. Um, being part of a, a bigger company wasn't wasn't a bad thing and just absolutely gave me more opportunity, more opportunity to grow my my technical abilities, more opportunity to grow my network. Um, I love going to all our offices. I know people well in all the offices and I love going to them and hanging out there, working out of those offices. Um, you know, and I, I just feel like, you know what? Um, it wasn't what I envisioned if you had asked me what my five-year plan was, uh, you know, over 12 years ago, but absolutely has turned out great. And I would not have, you know, reversed that if, if I had the, the chance now. That is interesting that you mentioned that it just came up in the Women in Deep Foundations Committee meeting this past week that what a sort of, I don't know if absurd is the right word, but that getting asked where do you see yourself in five years uh, during an interview is just kind of a, a not inappropriate, but just an unanswerable question, really, because these opportunities can come up and things just can change so dramatically. Um, but I will say that uh, I, for one, not that uh, I haven't enjoyed working under the presidents we have, but I look forward to being on a, a board where Lori Simpson is the president of the, the DFI Board of Trustees. So I think we're all looking forward to that. Um, Thank you. <laughs> at this point, though, it's time for us to take a very brief break, and uh, then we'll be back after this. Hey, students and young professionals. We hope you're enjoying this episode of Morgan's Mentors. DFI is thrilled to have you here. Besides great podcasts like this one, DFI has lots to offer you as you prepare and begin your career in the Deep Foundations construction and geotechnical engineering industry. I'm Teresa Engler, Executive Director of the Deep Foundations Institute, and I'd love for you to get started by becoming a member. Student membership is free, and individual membership for young professionals is very affordable. Once you've joined, check out DFI's communities of technical committees, task forces, working groups, and user groups. They're all busy addressing issues affecting Deep Foundation practices and by getting involved with them, you'll build your professional network. Also, be sure to browse the publications and resources pages of DFI.org. You'll find magazine articles, technical papers, research reports, manuals and guidelines, plus videos and career information. Students, don't miss applying for scholarships. Applications are open in the spring and the fall and also participate in our annual paper competition. 
There's also a competition for young professors and grants for female professionals. We value your involvement as the future industry leaders. Now, back to Morgan. Okay, well, we want to thank Lori Simpson again for joining us today. But before we go, we always ask the same question to everyone who joins us, Lori. If you could interview one or have me interview one, living or not, for this podcast, who would that be and why? Uh, Frank Rollo. Um, and for, for many reasons. Uh, he is a great mentor, so I think it would be super relevant. Um, he's a great geotechnical engineer has had a very long career. I think he's beyond 50 years now as a as a geotechnical engineer. Um, and he's just a really great person. He has um, wonderful, you know, warm personality. He really cares about teaching the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. Um, and he has great stories. Always good. And this will be the first year that we will be able to get one of the people who was mentioned last season as uh, someone's uh, picked guest. Uh, we will actually be able to interview them this year. So we will keep that in mind actually for next year. I think that's a great, uh, a great choice. Uh, but thanks again, Lori. And again, to our audience, thanks again for all of you for listening. And we look forward for all of you joining us again for future episodes as we talk to more of Morgan's mentors. And until then, remember, the truth will send a ripple through your body. On behalf of DFI, we hope you enjoyed this episode. The views, information, and opinions expressed during Deep Foundation Institute's podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of DFI. DFI does not verify or take responsibility for the accuracy of the information contained, nor does it warrant that the information contained herein is suitable for any general or specific use. The podcast is available for private, non-commercial use only. Editing, modification, or redistribution of this podcast is prohibited. Thank you for your time. Keep on surviving.